Today is September 20th. It is Harrison Bader Day for a lot of Yankee fans. And for Talking Yanks fans, it's Justin Shackle today. We are joined by Shaq Daddy. Let's talk Yanks. Judge home run record. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Recaps galore. Hello and welcome to episode 801. You just missed it, Justin. Episode 801 of Talking Yanks. Uh, September 20th, about two weeks in the season, two weeks from tomorrow, the regular season ends. Uh, we have what could be a crazy important player to this team making his debut today. We have Judge chasing down. Uh, the home run record in the six-game homestand, and he's got games after that, but I think we all want it at the stadium. Uh, and so much more going on with these Yankees. And John Boy got caught up in it today. He sends his best, but we have bringing in, towing the slab for us is Justin Shackle of Yes Network, of John Boy Media, of DAZN, of uh, Fordham, of what else? My parents. Parents. They play a big role in me being here today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I tell you what, like I woke up and I saw the bat signal text that you sent me. You yeah. sent me like an emoji and, and I'm a big Batman guy. So uh, that was that was awesome. I feel like I'm Michael Keaton right now, rising out of my seat, uh, coming in, filling. Thanks for uh, entrusting me to be here. You've got a little you could pull off a Batman Halloween costume. I did that when I was five or six. Okay. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I, that's what they were saying. I did it. You know, I pulled it off nicely. You, so. you really owned it. Yeah, I uh, yeah. appreciate you hopping in, Shackle. We uh, as we're getting ready for the playoffs over here, which is a exciting time of year and daunting a little bit because we uh, we're streaming. I think pretty much every day of the playoffs, and the Yankees throw a huge monkey wrench. Hopefully. They throw a massive monkey wrench in our postseason plans because the longer they go, the crazier it is for us. But uh, we're rooting for that. And I think, um, well, I guess we'll find out in the next two weeks how much how much hope we have going into the playoffs because you look back on past years. I mean, the, the 2021 team was enigmatic. Uh, you're, you're better with, with words than me, but I think that one works for them. Outside of that one winning streak, they were like a 500 team up and down all year. It just wasn't exciting. Uh, the previous years, I mean, the COVID season in itself is uh, a weird one uh, in the time capsule. Uh, and then the the other years, I know some starting pitching was, was of a bigger concern of other things, slash guys being hurt and coming back right before the end of the season, which we're dealing with again. So, uh I guess in two weeks we'll know, you know, what's Luis Severino look like? Do we like him as a two? Uh, or what else is going on? I know you want to talk some back of our bullpen. I think we'll get there along with sharp stats and everything else. But I guess in general, Shaq, I, I, love, uh, I love when we have someone on and just kind of getting their state of the Yankees and, and their kind of current headspace with where the team's at. So, like, enig enigmatic is, like, a, a big power word for me, Jake. And... I actually would use that word to describe how I'm feeling about this team over the last month or so, the last 30 days, because you, you know, one week they're on, they make you feel like the worst of the season has been put in the rearview mirror. And then they go and, you know, they, they lose two out of three in Milwaukee. I know Milwaukee's in playoff contention, but you, you feel like where the Yankees were and, and how they were playing ahead of that series Look, they dropped two out of three. Cole didn't look really strong. Like, it makes you frustrated, I feel like, if you're a Yankee fan. So, it's kind of like you're taking the temperature week to week. And overall, I have good faith in this team. I, I, I obviously think they win the division. I think, 
even when you take a big step back, they're still one of the best teams in the American League. Um, I, I worry about the Astros, obviously. But overall, once you get to the postseason, who knows what the vibe's going to be like. And all it takes, I think, is a moment for those vibes to change. So anything could happen at that point. But like right now, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and, and then some of the things that you were discussing that we're going to get into, probably the biggest questions that I have is like <laughs> more, more than years past, for sure. Like who's getting the final outs on the mound yeah. for this team? I think that's the top question right now for me. You know what, Shaq, let's do... Because there's there's one more big one that I didn't set you up for, but I, I'm sure I, I don't think I'll be trapping you. I want to do let's do Bader, let's do some bullpen, uh, and then the other one I'll I'll sneak in there. Uh, all the Yankees hot topics. They're brought to you by DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, they're giving their five dollars on any NFL team to win, and you get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. They have their same game parlays. Uh, those are a lot of fun, and if you do them right, uh, they're not as daunting as your normal parlay. You know, they you can if you want to lower some of the passing yards and things like that. You can you, you can combine a couple easier ones to to give yourself a real shot at them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place a five dollar bet on any football game. That's code JOHNBOY. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, so Shackle, uh, let's do <clears throat> let's check Bader off quick because I also. I want to wrap up the show talking some some radio with you and and you know filling in for Sterling and Mayor yeah, uh, during okay. the year so that, that'll be some of the good stuff but <laughs> you we're hitting some of the hot buttons Bader he comes back today uh I normally have a a Yankee fan pulse uh, I got lucky I got half lucky on DJ LeMahieu when he came in I knew he was going to be a contact guy I knew his defense was going to be good. Those were the two biggest things Yankee fans were clamoring for. I was like, you know what? You know, he's a no-nonsense, no-emotion guy. This guy has a formula for Yankee fans to absolutely love. And he exceeded every expectation offensively, so I'm not going to take credit for that. But just who he is day in, day out, DJ got the proper love. Harrison Bader from Bronxville, New York... He uses a Statue of Liberty glove. <laughs> he plays center field defense, uh, supposedly at an all-world level, a level that I don't know if Yankee fans have really seen uh, since player blank. Uh, I, I don't know. That that might be a fun, dangerous game to play. But I'd love to play that game because I was thinking the same thing, Jake. But he... Uh, and then the question will be, how much does he hit? And he's, you know, he's a major league hitter. He mashes lefty pretty good. Uh, we're looking for any kind of major league bats in our lineup as is. So uh, I guess Harrison Bader makes his debut today. And uh, he's got the formula to be loved by the Yankees. Hustle guy, defense guy, you know, New Yorker, energy. Like he's, and he's coming into like a good situation, right? <laughs> like it's not, it's not like he's kicking out Bernie and it's like, let's see what Bader's got. Like we're, we've been looking for bodies to play. Yeah. When I was thinking about this, and then I watch some highlights of Harrison Bader, like in years past, I, I obviously try to, um, you know, covering Yankee games, it's tough to watch other teams on the daily, but I obviously have a sense of like what the Cardinals are always doing because they're a good team. You watch, you make it a point to watch good teams. And when I think of past games watching Harrison Bader, when I see like the highlights of Harrison Bader, I, I cannot, and now that he's on the Yankees. I can't think of like another Yankee outfielder in recent memory. And I think you may have brought up the guy right there in Bernie. You have to go back like 20 years. I'm not talking about Bernie at the tail end of his career, whom it's an outfielder that you could just watch go all out all over the field, have faith that they're going to make every play with the range, the glove, the throwing, but also having that faith while not holding your breath that they're going to get injured in the process of doing that. Like right. Aaron Judge, great outfielder. Every time he takes a dive, gets near the wall, you're, you're getting a little squirmish. Aaron Hicks in years past, 
I mean, you you think about the play that he made to end a game in Minnesota years ago. We all know that play. He's made great plays in the outfield. Every time he does, I'm kind of holding my breath. Oh, man, is is he going to be okay from that? Harrison Bader, when I watch him make those plays, I that, that doesn't cross my mind at all for whatever reason. Yeah. And I can't think of the last Yankee outfielder that made me feel that way. He's... He's 28 years old. He's built like a running back. I, I I was sitting behind fairly close to the Yankees dugout one day, and you could see it on TV too, so I'm not breaking news, but he is built. He's listed six foot two ten. That's you know, go look at NFL running backs. They're usually around there. Some some the beefier guys are up to two twenty, but that's kind of it. And yes, it feels like there's a reckless abandon in his game that a lot of Yankees don't traditionally have. Like, you know, going back to 2019, 2018 Yankees, they kind of took that away from guys. You know, the, whether it's, you know, running hard down first or, you know, worried about injuries with guys, the, the Yankees as an organization kind of pulled that away from guys that I loved. You know, I, I remember laughing, I think, when Andujar came back in 2020, he was like a hustle guy, which was funny because he was like, you know, trying to become a part of the team to do whatever he can. And the Yankees... You know, they have very talented rosters, but you don't have as many of those guys. Um, so, yeah, and Harrison Bader, he feels like he's going to be that. And like you said, I mean, you know, a young Bernie with those long strides, he would track down balls. Um, you know, we should probably even give some some love to some of the speedsters, whether, you know, a healthy Ellsbury or a Damon. A could, Granderson, maybe? They could track down a ball. Uh, not known <laughs> all of those guys had... Pretty weak arms. I mean, yeah. Damon and I, you won't find someone that loves Bernie than me, but there were some times Bernie would throw in and I'd be like, right. what's going on, Bern? Um, But Bader, and I, I think we talked about this when the kids got originally called up, that it was almost bringing them into a bad situation because the Yankees needed such a fix that it was like, let's not put this on the Oswalds, as Oswald and Oswaldo, to fix this Yankees team as they were in their dog days. Bader's coming in. You know, the ship has straightened out a little bit. Um, you know, the Hicks quotes and all that, we don't have to do that, but it seems like he's walking into a really good situation for him right now where he, as long as he's tracking down balls and putting together a couple at-bats and we can buy into him for the postseason, I mean, that's where we want to be with him. Uh, I would probably label Harrison Bader's approach in the outfield as, like, controlled aggression. Like, you can go all out, have that reckless abandon, but also make it look controllable sort of like Melky Cabrera yeah good hustle right but kind of looked awkward doing it right yeah um I I don't see any awkwardness with Harrison Bears and then it probably makes me feel better about his overall game in the outfield I, I look at it as like controlled aggression in the outfield where that probably leads me to not think about potential injuries because just based on the outfield history for this team you you hold your breath a lot. Yeah. You hold your, you, you, you know obviously other teams, other players force you to do that as well. A young Bryce Harper years ago made made you think that way. Aaron Judge probably made you think about that more in the past than he does right now. All the same, you definitely worry about whenever Judge is going to make an attempt to lay out or go all out for a for a ball in the outfield. So right now, I would kind of classify Bader's approaches like controlled aggression. It just uh, makes you feel good. Makes you feel good that the Yankees have that type of player right now in the outfield. And by the way, last year the kid hit, uh, he had a 785 OPS. Uh, I know he didn't have that uh, this year, but, you know, and let's be honest, this guy's going to get judged in the next month or so, and is Harrison Bader a guy that could have a good month? Absolutely. Um, You know, he's, he's had... Looking back at last year, his July, he had a 1.0 OPS. His September, October, he had a 9.80. So if this guy catches a little fire at the right time, I mean, there's going to be a, a Harrison Bader fan club that is going to be loud. Here's, here's what's scary. Okay. And it comes in the form of a question, though. Uh, like, what, what does Harrison Bader need to do over the last 16 games, whatever it is, two and a half, three weeks, to, to make you think, like, Oh, that was the best pickup for the Yankees at the trade right. deadline based on what's happened here. I don't I don't know, and that's where it gets tough, right? If if yeah. we start I think if we start comparing some apples and oranges, you could get yourself in a tricky for spot. Sure. Yeah. Um and that's where 
Let's have the guy be healthy. Let's see him be special in center. Like, we need to check that box. Like, are you as advertised there? And I think that should be easy. And then the hitting box is going to be really interesting because it depends what the rest of the team is doing. And he's just going to have to show at least some signs of life. And Mm -hmm. that's always the interesting part, man. Like you were saying, these guys, you know, how well do do Yankee fans know Miguel Andujar? That if he got traded to the Rockies tomorrow, you know, and they were doing a Rockies pod and they're digging through the numbers, but then if they watched him play, you know, you start learning the little things they do. I mean, even Glaber, any player that you watch every day, you learn their little isms that make Mm -hmm. them who they are in a baseball field that, you know, interested to see if Harrison Bader's got (laughs) a lot of the good little stuff that Yankee fans love to dive into, or what are we going to be saying in a week that we're like, so Bader does that? He he swings at that pitch. Right. Um, but that's the fun part of it, and uh, we're going to find out soon, which that's the good news about it. So, and Monty's coming down. No, we're not doing that. Um, the one I want to surprise you with before we do a little bullpen shackle, left field, because um, that is the other wrinkle of this, that with Harrison Bader coming back, and let's assume he's as advertised and Judge goes to right. Left field is still available. Let's say Benny's out of play now, um, which if he comes back and he's Benny, cool. Like, end of conversation. Uh, Who are you eyeing for left field? I'm completely writing off Ben Intendi. I mean, I don't think you could operate thinking and holding out hope that he's going to come back. If he does, amazing. Right. And, yeah, you put him in there. Um, Man, like... Have we have we gotten to this point where you're gonna th- like pick <laughs> you're gonna pick like it sounds wild to say here on the surface like are we going with like an Anduhar or, or yeah I guess Andu like are we are we going Miggy over Hicks? So just from everything the Yankees have told us over the past three seasons you'd have to assume they go Hicks over Andujar for yeah. defense and the fact that, you know, looking at stats, the idea of Andujar or Hicks running into a ball, I think is about even. So I, I think they'd lean Hicks. I, I think the question we're going to find out soon and maybe as soon as they post tonight's lineup, Oswaldo Cabrera has been batting around sixth in this Yankees lineup for two months. And it, wherever they put this kid, it seems like he can play defense. I mean, he would be my leader in the clubhouse. I don't know what the, the odds would be on it if it was an actual Vegas number. It would have to be, and as, for, as unfortunate this is to Miggy, because I still have some Andujar heartstrings. I, I don't know if it ends any prettier at this point, but it's in my head it's got to be Cabrera, Hicks. I think even Vegas would have Benny. And then Andujar, if if I had to list the odds. I love the idea of as well. Like, yeah, I probably go Hicks right now. I like the idea of like Oswaldo Cabrera fitting that narrative, like that storyline of being the dude who is the ultimate Swiss Army knife. Um, I th- I think they're forced to go with Hicks. Um, but and I was trying to bring up splits for Oswaldo right now like just seeing how many games he's played in the outfield versus I know obviously know it's been a lot but like he's do you remember like when Tyler Wade was coming up through the system and the the hot name that they tried to associate him with was Ben Zobrist yep like Oswaldo Cabrera has been more of the Ben Zobrist fit that the Yankees could have ever hoped for with Tyler Wade and I don't think too many people saw that coming in May or June, um, even in the Yankees organization. So I would have more and more faith in a guy like Oswaldo Cabrera. If you want to completely rip the bandaid off Aaron Hicks is, you know, the the whole Aaron Hicks experience right now. Uh, Man, if you're asking me to choose right now, I I think I'm still going to stick with Hicks, but Oswaldo, Last couple of weeks here. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Right? And it's... Uh, so, you're right. I'm <laughs> I'm going to defend Wade quickly, which is going to make people laugh. 
his defense actually played kind of everywhere. Like, if you remember at the end of Tyler Wade, he even there was some center field and left field games hmm. where he tracked down a couple balls. Now, and the Yankees, well, Tyler Wade never earned it. <laughs> like, I, 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 will, I will say that as, as much as I love my doppelganger. Uh, he also never got pulled into a time of need as much as, as Waldo did. This and is true. I think the other thing that's really interesting is, uh, you know, <laughs> during the Peraza times and shortstop and the Yankees prospects throughout this season, talking to some different evaluators and scouts and different people around baseball, Oswaldo Cabrera went nuts at AAA. As a kid with power, the walks and strikeouts, Peraza's numbers, as much as they got better and I liked them, there is one scout that instantly said, check out the walks and strikeouts. That doesn't work at the major league level. And it's like, oh, you know, I, you just don't. Sometimes we just look at other stats and you don't watch guys play that you never know. Um, Transferable with, skills. With the way Cabrera can play every position, and he's an electric factory, um, and some of his numbers versus righties as a lefty, like, he has a chance. Like, I, you mentioned Melky earlier. I threw that last episode. Obviously different. I mean, Melky was kind of an outfielder, but the way Melky kind of came on the scene, like, okay, who is this guy? He's he's kind of, he's got this a little bit of electricity to him. He's a switch hitter. Um, that, yeah, I, I'm interested to see. And the other thing I'll throw out there, which I have this eternal optimist side to me that I, I feel blessed about. I don't know what it's from. I come from an Italian family that I, I think it's normally not that stereotype. Think about the options we just listed. Let's say Cabrera uh, has tough weeks at the plate. Let's say Hicks doesn't figure it out at the plate. Andrew Benintendi is a gold glove outfielder. It's his right hand. It's his catching hand, so I don't know what you'd do with that. But if we're talking about if everybody else can't hit, if Benny can play gold glove defense and, like, Half swing the bat in the nine hole. Still put I don't the know. bat on the ball. I don't know. I don't know. Would you risk that if you're Benintendi about to hit free agency? I guess I don't know the depth of the injury. Like how much more can he hurt himself? I I know from like a a heart and soul standpoint. Like it could it really hurt his free agency? I have no idea. No idea. Um. How much left field do you think Oswaldo Cabrera is going to see starting today from the end to, until the end of the season? <laughs> I guess that's the other interesting part where the Yankees, sometimes they try to have their best poker face, but like I said, Oswaldo Cabrera has played every day towards the middle of the lineup. I think we're going to find out in the next week if they think Oswaldo Cabrera is going to be a choice. Because yeah. played one game there so far. You and can't play that coy. Yeah, I know. Yankee uh, Stadium left just, field, like Brett Gardner, the whole reason he was there for a decade was because he played that so well. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to believe as Waldo isn't going to handle it just fine whenever he gets a chance to do it. But like, will he get a full chance to like play there for a week and find out before the playoffs? That's the big question. They're not going to do answer. it without seeing it, right? He's not. He's a he's a kid who's who has not embarrassed himself. And I think that's the the biggest thing with Oswaldo Cabrera. Like his, yeah, he's he's taken solid at bats at the plate. Overall, is he's not lighting the world on fire by any means. I mean, his on base percentage is under three hundred. He struck out right, like like we were talking about the walk and strikeouts. Has nine walks, thirty strikeouts. But he just hasn't embarrassed himself, and that that sometimes is enough when you are surrounded by the potential that other Yankee hitters have in that lineup. So I'm going to be curious to see what this lineup is looking like every day in that left field column for sure. I think I might just be dreaming myself into broken Benny. Uh, Let's do the bullpen shackle. And that's brought to us by Roman on the Roman swipes. Uh, If you're okay, what's the bullpen comparison for needing, needing Roman swipes? I guess if you're giving it up too early, uh, for the swipe? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's a perfect comparison there. Uh, 
<laughs> so maybe I won't compare it. If you're struggling with PE, premature ejaculation, remove the disposable swipe from its dec- discreet pocket size pack. Wipe on the most sensitive parts of your... Yeah. And when used as directed, Roman swipes, they help you out. <laughs> In a 2019 study, they were proven to increase your time by four times. Uh, so here's where I usually end up in this, people. If this is something you're dealing with or something you know somebody dealing with, why not give it a shot? Uh, try the swipes today with our special offer, GetRoman.com slash Yanks for 20% off your first order. GetRoman.com slash Yanks for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Roman. Um, Justin shackled the bullpen, um, which, funny enough, was kind of the sneaky strength of this team through their dominant part of the season whether it was Clay Holmes being as good as we've ever seen a reliever be, whether it was different guys stepping up at different times. I mean, you know, I remember when Marinaccio first started his scoreless streak and it was like, what, that guy? Like, I didn't even, didn't even realize. Uh, the bullpen, man, has become not as exciting, and luckily it's the thing that can change the quickest in baseball. But... Uh, Sometimes I have a stat nerd side to me. I know a lot of people see this, you know, big jock guy talking Jake the jock. A lot of people say that on Twitter. What I see <laughs> in front of me right now. Yeah. Clay Holmes' stats since July have been now not Clay Holmes before July. So I, I guess with that, I'll give you an open board shackle, uh, who you like or what, what you need to see in the next two weeks. The, the biggest question that I will continue to ask myself as you watch this team for the rest of the regular season is who is going to make me most comfortable when the last five outs of a playoff game are needed? And it was obviously a much easier question to answer in past seasons. At the same time, we all know that part of the reason the Yankees seasons ended in October was partially because of overuse by the bullpen opponents were seeing the same arms game after game after game. But when I think about it right now, and again, I am a, I don't want to say like I'm glass half empty. When you talk about some of the old guard bullpen arms, like cool Zach Britton's making his way back. Aroldis Chapman is whatever you may think of him. For a while, I really believe that the Yankees would not be able to get to where they want to be without Aroldis Chapman being an all-star caliber reliever. I don't even know if he's going to be in their plans for October. Yeah. I think he will, Same in the same regard as like the left field spot with Aaron Hicks. Like I think they're just going to you know, possibly go with that because that's what they do believe if they get him right over the the last weeks or so. But like, I'm not counting on Zach Burton at all this year until he shows up in the big leagues. And then we can evaluate from him from there. I'm just wired that way. So when you bring up like a guy like Clay Holmes, I'd like to think that what we've, we've seen improvement obviously over the last several weeks, but it's still not to where it was before July, like you said. I mean, you walked five guys over April, May, yeah. and June. He's walked four in September alone. Uh, and I love watching Wandy Peralta. I love how fearless he is with his pitching sometimes, but it's also like it's starting to scare me right. in an exciting way. <laughs> uh, getting kind of turned on by that. But mm, <laughs> he actually, Roman. yeah, there you go. He actually had better numbers before the All-Star break than he did in the second half. It doesn't feel like that, right? He, I, I, I think that kind of surprised me a little bit. And Johnny Loisica, 1.25 uh, ERA over his last uh, 25 outings in the second half of the season. Really looking good. A whip under one. I don't. I don't like to look at ERAs for relievers so much, but it's still, you know, sparkling with that one, two, five. He's held opponents under a 200 batting average. His whip is under one. I like watching 
the whip stat with with relievers. Obviously, you know, it measures how well you guys keep guys off base. That's the whole point for pitching, but more specific, especially with relievers. So he's looked really good the last two months. But is it really good in the sense that he's going to get the final out for you? I don't know. Um, Trevino? He's been excellent since he's joined the Yankees. Was that the plan? It definitely wasn't. So how does that make you feel? There are a lot of questions regarding those five outs that I'm focused on in playoff games. And we still don't have the answers to them in mid-September. Yeah, I think the... So I can I can bring some interesting spins there because you are right. Those last five outs become a lot more complicated because I can talk myself into Trevino. I, I kind of have on here. Like, he's a guy that's been in some real games. Uh, you know, he's been around the league. It's not like this is his, uh, like, one breakout. Like, okay, like, no, Lou Trevino's done some stuff in Major League Baseball. He's pitching some big games. Hopefully the Yankees, you know, going from Oakland, a sad team, to the Yankees competing for a title and maybe, you know, getting in that Matt Blake pitching lab a little bit. Like, you know, I, I can talk myself into Lou Trevino. Do I want to talk him into the last five outs? No, I'd rather not. Um, even Marinaccio, which how good he's been. And, you know, we made some jokes because, you know, Shackle, you, you, me, and BBD are three guys that look younger than we probably are. Ron Marinaccio could have suited up in Williamsport and people would have been like, have you seen a 12-year-old this tall? Um, at the same time, his composure has been fantastic. Like, it's kind of a part of who he is, that he is stoic. And that plays in sports. It just does. Like, he doesn't get sped up. Do I want Ron Marinaccio in the last eight, five outs? No. I want all of what you just described in, like, the sixth or seventh inning. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to feel good in those innings, and I think part of the problem is Wandy's been great this year. Um, he, you know, he's his numbers against lefties are disgusting. If you tell me that you need two outs in the eighth and there's a couple lefties coming up, I am at the point where Wandy's good by me. Um, I think Wandy's best role is the fireman, and we've seen it. I mean, he's never scared. He feeds off those moments. By the way, his changeup is like, I don't think I've ever seen a better pitch at tappers back to the pitcher. Like, it, he's been in bases loaded three or four times this year and has gotten that. And, like, he plays for it. It's incredible that he should be your fireman. And the problem is your fireman should be ready for the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth inning. So I think that kind of takes him out. Johnny Luizaga is the guy I've had circled all year. Um, you know, I remember before this season, Joe's and Jimmy were talking about, could he take Chapman's closer role this year? And I was like, whoa. Like, I love me some Johnny L's, but Aroldis Chapman, the the aura of it, the, you know, a closer, like one of, a dying breed of closers almost, right? Like, guys don't get used as that anymore. And then Johnny, he doesn't look good. He gets hurt. He's starting to look better. He's fresher, like, like we've talked about, this war of attrition in the bullpen of guys getting overused. He's the guy that I don't know if he's, those two outs in the eighth, I don't know if he's those outs in the ninth. He's got to be ready to go. And I think, unless it gets worse, the Yankees are still going to lean into Clay Holmes because I don't think they have another option to. Um, and that is the scary part because those stats, man, I, I like butter knifing up a good stat. They're not good with Clay. You sense that's like the theme of this episode so far. They're <laughs> the basically the Yankees are are as of right now, it looks like they're gonna be forced to lean into certain pieces that if you gave them some truth serum, they'd probably like to go the other way. They're though they don't have any other options. And yeah, you're right. Like Loisico was at the very beginning of the season, even right before the season, he was what Clay Holmes turned out to be before the all-star break. Like, if someone said, hey, if Chapman's out of the closer's role, who do you think is most likely going to be taken over? Your answer would have been Loisica. And obviously, they just didn't perform up to expectations over the first half of the season. So is he all the way back in the psyche for getting those final few outs? 
he may be, he may have to be like, again, because the options right now, no one's separating themselves. And if they have, you're, you're the greedy part of you, like case in point, like with Wandy, like you want to save or you want to have that bullet when the first fire is really needed to be put out in the postseason. That's probably going to come way before the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess there's one more guy who's a wrinkle in here that uh, uh, our guy Feo in the chat mentioned. Um, Scott F. Ross. Yeah, there we go. He, That's the name. He, he deserves a, a little bit more respect. Let's see what he comes back and looks like. His numbers this year are disgusting. Um, and I, I know we got a small sample and he went away. Uh, but he's coming back. And let's see what he looks like. Uh, because he was put in high leverage spots. And let's say Johnny Luizaga, heck, Clay Holmes comes back and looks flames. And, and let's say the ninth inning is out of sight, out of mind. Like, it's, it's just, it's going to Johnny. It's going to Clay. It's whatever. We are, we're in bed we're with We're living them. with it. Yeah, yeah. like, that's, that's what it is. You know, I, as much as I've loved Johnny Lasagna through the years, I think him closing playoff games, I, <laughs> you won't. You just can't feel good until the game's over, and that's not a shot at Johnny. I, I'd say that about pretty much anyone who's not Mariano Rivera. That's just how playoff baseball works. You know, if Trevino's right, and Efros is right, and Marinaccio's right, like, a lot of these recent... Go look at the Braves. Like, a lot of dudes clicked at once, um, and it became an advantage for them. Like, that in these next two weeks... And even when the playoffs start, those first two games, if Clark Schmidt has a bang-up sixth inning, like, guys start moving up and down that bullpen chart very quickly. That's, that's the essence of the awesomeness of the postseason. It only takes, like, that moment. Like, the Braves bullpen, like you mentioned, it came together really quick. You know, the, what do they call it, the night shift? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it, it could come together super quick. So... Yeah, you may be feeling a little shaky on September 20th, 21st, whatever day it is. I know you said that at the top. Uh, but that can that whole mood and that vibe can change within one moment once the postseason starts. And that's what's cool about it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it does, because right now you're trying to fit square pegs and round holes. You're trying to shoehorn guys into certain situations. You're trying to make yourself feel good about potential situations with certain players. And uh, it's it's tough coming out on the other side, feeling extremely enthusiastic. But again, can all change. Just got a... Uh, Usually it does. Just got some goosebumps thinking about Garrett Cole coming for that Game 7 save in Houston. Um, mm. So let's uh, let's hope we, we get some stories. Anything around that. Shackle, awesome, dude. Let's get to... Katie Sharp and the Sharp stat, which uh, you mentioned some performances, and uh, she's talking about the big guy who's performing, and Sharp Stats is brought to you by Muggsy. What do I like doing in my Muggsies? Uh, all of it, man. Uh, fall is around the corner. Last Yankee game I went to, wore my Muggsies. Nice pair of black Muggsy. They're kind of like my stylish. Um, like, I wear them out to dinner. Like, that's my play now. Uh, and they are comfortable. Are you a Muggsy man, Shaq? Do we need to send you some? You definitely need to send me some. Okay. They're not a, they're not a, a sponsor of, of Toe on the Slab, and that's okay. Wow. But, yet, yet. But I hear so many people rave about it. I've yet to uh, experience what it's like. I mean, imagine walking around Yankee Stadium in black Muggsies. And yeah. how, did, how did that make you feel? I don't, I, I don't have to imagine it anymore. I've lived it. I've been to the top. <laughs> Um, they're awesome. They are my, uh, they're my going out pants as of now. And they could also be your work pants. They can be whatever you want them to be because they're comfortable. They look good. And right now at Muggsy.com using code Johnboy, you will get 10% off the entire site, which they also have some shirts and stuff too. The Muggsy jeans are the most damn comfortable jeans you will find. So Go to Muggsy.com, use promo code JOHNBOY, 10% off your entire order. Um, I'm, I'm really big on like the, uh, the illusion of jeans and work pants and all that stuff in this day and age. So I'm always on the hunt trying to find the latest pair that looks business casual, yet really comfortable. I mean, 
Muggsy, it genuinely yeah. is a game changer. It's it's a game changer. Let's uh let's hear it, Beebs. Hey guys, clean of stats, and today what I want to do is I just wanted to put into a little bit more context and give you some stats on the conversation you guys had in Sunday's episode about how Judge is just having this incredible season in an era where no one even is even close to doing what he is doing. Um, so the stat that we, you know, we've heard a lot about is his home run lead. And currently, as I take this on Monday, it's uh, 20 homers over the second place guy. And um, the only person in MLB history that's ever done that, you know, at the end of the season had a 20 homer lead is obviously is Babe Ruth. And he, uh, he did that uh, three times. And also just another little nugget to chew on about that is uh, the difference between judge and second place, I said 20 homers, is the same as the difference between the second place guy, Schwarber, and the 61st place guy on the home run leaderboard. Um, and then obviously another one is that we know that judge is approaching that triple crown right now. Um, and the most home runs ever hit in a triple crown season is 52 by Mickey Mantle in uh, 1956. So that's something else to, uh, to think about as well. Um, but it's not just the home runs. He also has a 56 base lead in total bases over Paul Goldschmidt. And that has actually only been done six times. Um, in MLB history. It was done by Jim Rice in 1978, Stan Musial in 48, Tommy Holmes in 45, Ruth twice, and then Ty Cobb in 1917. Um, So that would be extremely impressive as well. Um, And then another thing we can do is we can use what are called plus stats or adjusted stats to kind of show his dominance. And these are stats that control for park effects and the current run environment. And you can find these on Fangraphs. Uh, the most prominent one is Weighted Runs Created Plus, uh, which is basically an all-encompassing offensive metric. Uh, and um, currently, Judge has a Weighted Runs Created Plus of 210, which means it's 110% better than league average. And there's only been 16 seasons uh, to do that. 16 seasons of that in MLB history since 1900. That's six times by Ruth, four by Bonds, three by Williams. Uh, Roger Hornsby and Mickey Mantle also did it. And then he also has a slugging plus, so that's adjusted slugging of 179 or better. And that's only been done 14 times. And if you add in his average plus, which is 131, the only guys to have a 131 average plus and a 179 slugging plus are Ted Williams twice, Barry Bonds twice, and Babe Ruth once. So there you guys go, and uh, keep it up, Judge. Thank you, Katie Sharp, the queen of stats. All right. Uh, we know this Judge guy is doing something pretty cool, and there's a lot of ways to chop it up, and man... You know, we, uh, you know, some of this gets put on, yes, best of, yes, I, I think it usually debuts on Saturday. Aaron Judge could have the home run record by then. <laughs> could uh, be irrelevant by then. That's th- wild. That's crazy, man. I, I'm, the fact we can say that with, as I've now said a couple times, over two weeks left in the season, um, it's unreal. And I, I'm sure, you know, Shackle, you, you know the guys, but hearing, hearing Curry and Kay talk about it, they almost, they almost want more because it uh, it feels like it would be more dramatic if it was like you know Judge had sixty going into the last series or something, but it's like no, this this big fella might just might just mash the record easily with a couple weeks to play, and it really is awesome to compare it. So I'll start at the top, uh, you know, Judge with the twenty homer lead on Schwarber uh, as we do this, and I think it's twenty two on Jordan in the AL, and I, I do think that's important. Like who's in your Who's in your league? Like, what are you, what are you doing compared to your contemporaries on both levels? And sometimes I I break things down a little more basic because that's just who I am. Uh, you know, Katie mentioned that the gap between Judge and second place is the same as second place and sixty first place. The way I chop it up, twenty two home runs. Um, there's some guys in baseball. Carlos Correa has 21 home runs this year. George Springer has 21 home runs this year. 
Sal Perez has 22 home runs this year. Like, Freddie Freeman has 20. We're, so, do those guys do a lot of other things great? Absolutely. They're fantastic baseball players. But to put into scope how far Judge is away from everyone, it, it really does add to it. And I, I think, you know, when you, me, Biebs, Jom, and everyone, as we become old men and we're talking about this 25, 25 years later, these are going to be some of our fun facts along the way. So we heard Katie list some some names that really stand out, like Babe Ruth, obviously, Barry Bonds. And so much of that is impressive for sure. For me, I am looking at uh looking into the prism of the stats that you just discussed, how they are relevant to what's going on amongst his peers this season, because I think this day and age is pitching era is superior superior to any other pitching era that we have ever seen. And this makes what judge is doing far more impressive in my eyes than what we saw in 98 with McGuire and Sosa than what we, you know, read about, obviously didn't see with our eyes, but like what we took, what we've learned about with Maris mantle, what Ruth did, Barry Bonds between what 2001 2004 just like otherworldly obviously you know he had he had a little bit of help so when I think about how far advanced the pitching is compared to the hitting in 2022 hitters are still trying to figure out which way they want to go in terms of you know everything uh pitchers have the game plan they are far more advanced than today's hitters what judge is doing over the long haul here this season and how far he's blown away the rest of the competition, all of his peers, that's what makes this so impressive to me. So when you hear about the difference between he and the second place guy is the same as him in 61, how he has 56 more bases than Paul Goldschmidt, who's probably going to win the National League MVP award, that's what's so impressive to me. That's why I think what Aaron Judge is doing this season is more impressive than some of the great offensive seasons, and home run chases that we've seen in history. It's it's funny to think about because you, you have no idea at the time when, when you're living it. Like I'm, when, when Babe Ruth was doing what he was doing, uh, I don't think people in the crowd were like, yeah, he's doing it against plumbers. Like, no, I think that was a very modern-day argument uh, that, that people used uh, in comparison to Ruth and who he was playing against. That point with Judge is so important to me. Uh, I've been in a weird place recently. Albert Pujols is going for 700 home runs, and I think that, in a way, is similarly as impressive as to what Judge is doing. Obviously, it's comparing longevity versus one year, and it's... um, Baseball fans, I probably don't have to explain it to you, but Albert Pujols just homered off of the most pitchers any player has ever homered against because the guys ahead of him, Bonds, Ruth, um, Aaron, you know, they saw a starting pitcher three to four times. Um, that, I, I, And like you said, with the pitching technology and every bullpen has a guy that throws 98. And 98, multiple guys. 98 was the low right. number. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're seeing guys throw 101. There's usually one of those guys on every team. Uh and that's while also being pitched around in a league in a year where offense is down. It's um I'm trying to find what'll be the future poke holes in this, and I I almost can't. Yeah, we we don't know yet. We won't know for years to come. Uh but yeah, like triple digit velocity, everyone knowing what their spin rate is, how they can move the ball horizontally, so much of the technology has led to pitching being in a better place than the hitting in today's game in terms of a philosophy or approach. That's why I think what Judge is doing is far superior than anything that we've seen before. But you mentioned like Albert Pujols too. Man, that guy has had the ability to adapt to how many different eras in this game. That's what makes his chase for 700 so impressive to me. You can't say, I mean, I I guess you can, but when you pair it with like the technology and information, that's hard data that we're having here. That's being discovered that 
you know, wasn't around for, you know, Hank Aaron. Like, I'm sure the game evolved over his 20-plus year career, but not in the way it has with with Pujols. And the guys just adapted. It's wild when you when you think about when you when you pair all of these chases and what these players are doing with the fact that the technology is at where it's at, it's mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um I always I I know the conversation usually ends up here and hopefully we don't really have to think about it until mid November. But the fact he's doing this in a contract year, my goodness. <laughs> um the the man has made himself I uh I, I was talking to my fiance Jess, and I was kind of, I was kind of ex- explaining like the home run record. She was asking like you know sixty one and Barry Bonds and like how all that you know what people kind of generally land on that, and it's a nice conversation. And uh, the other thing I said was like, man, and he's he's made himself so much money because who knows where the number lands at and where he finishes at. I. I don't think you'd find anyone that says it doesn't start with at least a three um, in in the hundreds of millions. Uh, Super interested to see how all that plays out. Let's not even think about that now. But, you know, if Aaron Judge, if he had had a bad injury-riddled year this year, we would have been looking at, he still gets hundreds of millions. I don't, he doesn't get a two. Um, I mean, MLB free agency can be brutal. Uh, Michael Conforto crossed town, obviously different players. <laughs> they used to be compared a little bit. But if he had had uh, one of his better years last year, he would have been a nine-figure guy, uh, and he still doesn't have a job. So uh, what Judge has done this year, I mean, <laughs> it's one of the better uh, investments that's ever happened while playing baseball. I don't know. Self-investment, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, like the number, whatever number you have that that does begin with a three in your head, like immediately cut it in half. Immediately right? cut it by 50% and probably more if if that ended up, you know, if that had happened. Uh, thankfully, it didn't. Yes. Um, Katie Sharp, thank you uh, for the stats. Um, yeah, I mean, when when your offensive season's the other names are Ruth, Bonds, and Williams, uh, with a kicker of Mantle and Hornsby. Uh, that's that's pretty good. A pinch of Hornsby here. Just a splash of yeah. Rogers. Um, Shackle. I think we wrap up with just like some general what's up, dude? Because you you filled in for John Sterling, who is a a legend for any Yankee fan, and I mean you know. John Jay Sterling calls in this office and the appreciation we have for him. You filled in with filled in for Meredith uh, a little bit on a few series. Like how, uh, how are you? Give us some, give us the behind the scenes goss, dude. Can I, I hate starting off like this, but you just brought the topic up. How come John Sterling calls on Twitter? Didn't have any of his backups calls. Wow. I'm just oh, gonna throw it out there. A lot of finger pointing mm. right now. Okay, all right. Uh, we will figure that out. We will get to the bottom of Anyone it. Anyone could be running that account. <laughs> <laughs> all good. I, I guess you know, it's yeah. just a built-in vacation for those people. Yeah. Who? Hey, all all power to them. Uh, no, a lot of fun. Uh, this has been the most like fulfilling season I've had. Working for the team, getting some run on on the Yes Network. Uh, Obviously, filling in for John, I started my career calling games on the radio in the minor leagues, and I, you know, radio has my heart for sure. the The art of it is something that I hold, you know, dear to to my heart, and I love the day to day of you know waking up, um, going through your routine, and then opening your scorebook to a fresh page. Mm. Sounds pretty, you know, pretty dorky probably to some, corny, but I love it. I love just being in that routine and to be able to do it for a small slice of this season for the Yankees, you know, the team I grew up watching. uh, It was incredible. You couldn't ask for any more. Filling it for Meredith, just like a completely different dynamic. Filling it for Bob Lorenz in the studio. And I got to say, I know know you guys were there for for that series for a little bit. You had a Watching Yanks episode at, at the Yes Studios. Man, like what, what Bob Lorenz and Jack Curry do 
is so difficult and impressive, not just in the sense of what you see on the air, but like they are the first line of reaction to every single Yankee game. And they're doing that like an hour north of the stadium where it's nice and peaceful and tranquil, tranquil. Um, and it's in a quiet setting and to have the ability to bring the energy day in and day out at the highest of levels. And as consistently as they do it game after game. And when you take a look at those two, like year after year, it is so impressive. So they set the standard extremely high in the studio. And I had a blast working with Jack in that regard. And just overall, like from series to series, jumping to different responsibility after another, it was incredible. Um, obviously, we still have a few weeks left to go. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a really fulfilling season for me. It's been awesome, man. I, I mean, you, you've become a part of our team, and we've seen, uh, I mean, your boxing stuff is going more. Your yes stuff is going more. Uh, your toe in the slab stuff is going more. So uh, that's, that's been awesome to see. And, man... You're so right, and Talking Yanks people have heard me say this a few times now. Uh, Jack Curry, I mean, even the the ins and outs, like that sixth inning uh, quick hitter that he just delivers nails every time. Uh, and Big Chess Bob, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, you know, be, being able to host, get, get your thought in uh, while also trying to not overtake it in in any fashion it's it's an art form um and yeah I, as yankee fans we uh i i think i can say this people knowing we're not sucking up because we said this before we were partners with yes um i mean they're the best in the biz man uh the the coverage we get the the pre during and post games um i've never been a post i shouldn't say this uh i shouldn't say i've never been a post game guy um it was an appointment viewing. If, if it was on and I wasn't tired and I had, yeah. you know, no other obligations, like, yeah, let yes run and, and catch an interview or two. Uh, recently, it's been must watch. I mean, getting through those dog days and watching, uh, you know, watching watching Garrett Cole have to eat it in front of the press. It's, it's <laughs> I love Garrett. It's must watch television. Um, it's. Everything they do is awesome. Yeah, like often I'm sure it's like white noise for the average fan like before right. and after a Yankee game. It's just on, and it's just something that they're accustomed to. But, yeah, like this year, obviously when things were going really well, it was must-watch because you wanted to hear the team and the people in the studio talk about the massive success. Now it's for the complete opposite reason, or at least it was for you know two months. Now we're – we're in a better place, but as we get closer to the playoffs, like things are starting to fall in place, positions are being established. You want to hear how all that's coming together. So, and they really do the best job in the business. Uh, challenge anyone going go go out and watch you know another markets pre and post game show. Like I've never heard Jack Curry give like an incoherent statement. <laughs> like can't. I could I could be like, hey Jack, how about these white walls we have in this room? Yeah. And he'll make you think with his comment about the white walls, yeah. it's incredible. And then Bob just tees him up perfectly for stuff like that. It's, it's insane. It's so impressive to watch. Yeah. Jack would tell you how the frosted vanilla is actually the most common room color, but they actually went up from there because they mm-hmm. felt that would lock them in more for the process. Uh, he'll, t- he'll tell you why they opted to go three rows up on the color card versus what everyone was expecting. He, yeah. uh, Talking Yanks faithful, no. One time when we had Jack Curry on, I was like, Jack, like, give me, like, give me some of the secret sauce. Let me try to be better. Let, how, how can I cut out some ums and likes and all that stuff? And he just kind of, you know, with a smile and confident, he was like, no, you be you, dude. Because that's, you're not going to be that, Jake. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got some great news for you. Be you, because if, if, tr- if I was trying to do those six innings, ins and outs, they would end, yeah. it would probably end with cursing. And I'd be like, God, the fuck, it wasn't Hicks, it was, it was Stan, and I, yeah. I blew it. But no, he's nails every time. And I have to make a point and bring this up. Susan Waldman is one of the best conversationalists 
I've ever encountered. And her range of knowledge outside of baseball is so awesome to kind of like to have that next to you in any capacity is great because you can obviously call the game, but you can have so much fun going in different areas. And I think for, uh, you know, a small portion of the games we filled in, I think, I think we did that. And she was, she was, I mean, like I, we, we, uh, we brought up Biggie Mm. on a broadcast. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she, she said on the air, like, all right, who is that? And why should I care? It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but then she was saying like, well, if I, if I gave you the name of like a famous opera singer, are you going to know who that is? And chances are I'm not. No, but, but that's like the, that's like good back and forth between, between a, a broadcast that look day in and day out sometimes could feel monotonous in, in certain levels, but it never felt like that at obviously because you're, you're doing Yankee games and um, it's an incredible place to be, but like working with her, being able to, kind of fly the plane with her as, as your co-pilot uh, was incredible. And uh, I, you know, I, I really thank her for, for showing me the ropes there. Yeah. She's uh, a legend, an absolute legend. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I mean, uh, her and Sterling, I think some of, you know, we're, we're new, we're YouTube, we're podcasts. We, we have a lot of the, the use that, some don't fully appreciate it. And I get it. Like, you know, John Sterling's 83. Um, 84 S- now, Susan's 29. Uh, and that's good for her. Um, they are like, they're kind of like OG podcasting, just like live. Yeah. And, and, you know, those those side conversations that you, you stumble into. And I, I, I think a little bit's lost on the youth. And, and that's fine. That's kind of how life works. But at the same time, like there, I I'd say, at least every other week, I, I tune into a game on the radio for a little bit, and it it's almost like, if you're on the train or you're you're, you're eavesdropping on a conversation, even if you take the baseball stuff out, it's like you're eavesdropping on an awesome conversation. I'll say this, man. Uh, she's waiting for her off-season invite to the John Boy Studios. Just kind of. Gonna throw that hint out there. When we do it, we're gonna do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's got to be, be in person. I, I'm to... not messing with technology. Um, but yeah, we uh, we haven't fully crossed that bridge, and we will. Um, and we're excited too. So, uh, Justin Shackle, you are filming a towing the slab. After this, people have also probably been seeing it on the Yes Network as well. How about that? I think there's one. There's a new one tonight. New one tonight. Um, I saw. I saw. Could be. Saw saw Dan Rourke email. Okay. Um, If you see it on, watch it. If you see it on our network or the podcast, or you've been listening to it, thank you. If you're a boxing person, when's your next boxing thing? You were just out in Vegas. I was. Um, sharing like the weigh-in stage with Canelo and Triple G. Like I. Yeah, I like I, I asked Canelo, like when, when you're on the stage in a way and there's a massive crowd in front of you. So you want to like ask the questions that pump the crowd up. And, um, you know, you're just like, hey, Canelo, like final message before fight night. And, you know, he just yells in the microphone, Viva Mexico, cabrones. And the place just explodes. Just like feeling that energy was incredible. Uh, next one, I think it's in November. Okay. Uh but uh, but yeah, boxing's been very good to me here in 2022. The the yes partnership with Tone the Slab has been awesome. Plenty of people to thank at, at John Boy Media for that as well. We're gonna have a uh, Mark Gubaza on 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 this episode. He's a former teammate of of Coney's, and he's the current equivalent of David's right. with the Angels. He's the uh, Angels TV color analyst. So we're gonna go back and forth with him on. Who he, you know, the, the Aaron Judge Shohei Otani MVP discussion. So we're gonna we're gonna nail that to bed once uh, once and for all here this week on Toe on the Slap. We're a pitching podcast, but this week, just because of what Judge has been doing this year, we're, we're talking Judge Otani. There's a lot of pitching around that. Uh, yeah, people pitching around Judge. Zero ERA. Justin Shackle, thank you so much. Uh, pinch hitting in a moment of need. Uh, Thank you, man. Everyone follow Shackle on everything, and uh, 
We'll uh, we'll either see you here at the stadium or wherever we see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, flashing the bat signal for me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Beeps. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will see you. Pirate series recap late mm-hmm. night Wednesday. Late night Wednesday. How about you can it? hang out with uh, with you beforehand? Yeah, we'll be doing a watching Yanks. We're doing a uh, one of the uh, the dual streams. So make sure you got your app ready. We'll be having fun over there, and uh, maybe we will be seeing some history in the next couple of days. So uh, with that, I'd, I'd say let's go Yanks. Tell them, Grandma. Go Yankees.